Right, so we are back again with the next episode of our Dart podcast. Um, I've, I'm well rested after three days, uh, three weeks actually. Three weeks. Day. Three weeks, I know. <laughs> well, it felt like three days, that's all I can say. <laughs> um, uh, once again, I've got Ed and Steph with me today. Hello. Hi. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, a little project we've been working on for the past couple of weeks, um, which mm. is the relaunch of the... Uh, AIDA toolkit, which is the name some of you might know it by. Um, uh, uh, the relaunch is just around the corner. Um, we've got a new name for it, which we now call it uh, Assessing Organizational Readiness Toolkit. Um, and um, yeah, so could you tell me a bit more about why we've looked at it again, why we thought of revamping it a bit and changing it a bit? Um, we wanted to revamp it because it, it, it was never quite right in its original incarnation. It, okay. it, we kind of ran out of money, we ran out of time in, in 2010. Okay. And it was a JISC funded project you know, and uh, I worked on it with Kevin actually with the JISC money and I always wanted to take it a bit further but uh, Kevin said no, <laughs> the money was uh, not forthcoming. So um, I think that that was one of the triggers, but also because, um, well, there seemed to be an opportunity where URCC could um, assert its ownership of the toolkit a bit more. And um, I've also, well, I suppose in the intervening six years, I have learned a bit more about the subject or about the area of doing it. So uh, I thought I could put some improvements in. And um, I don't know, I just suddenly saw how it could be made uh, better quite quite quickly and easily okay. and I've got to say Steph was very encouraging because uh, <laughs> even, even though I, I'm you know I'm slow to see the value of the toolkit sometimes uh, Steph thinks it actually is, uh, is, is, is is very useful potentially to a lot of um, to a lot of people yeah, yeah because, I got, uh, I got yeah. quite excited when I, um, I re-looked at the toolkit because when mm. we're teaching on our digital preservation courses um, we do look at self-assessment and it is a logical next step for people to do to assess where they're up to in digital preservation, a uh, good next step after our courses. But what I was finding was that <clears throat> the things that tools that were available were either very, very superficial, so not really that useful when you've done them, or they were incredibly complicated, taking about 11 months to complete and involving just about everybody in your organisation, uh, including your financial status, your tech people, etc, etc. So I, when I looked at the AIDA toolkit again with Ed and saw that it got a lot of potential to sit nicely in the middle ground, um, to not take 11 months to complete, to be a lot, a lot quicker than that, but to also uh, not be so superficial so that people have got something really useful that they could start conversations with within their own organisation, um, identify areas they needed to work on, and also have something that they could take to senior management to start that conversation going. Okay, that's great. I mean, I know um, from talking to you guys that um, despite not having done much with AIDA since it came out, mm. um, there was sort of a continued interest and people kind of reaching out to you guys, especially Ed, because Ed's name was associated with the project. Um, yeah, people get finding it online, uh, mostly from not in the UK, interestingly <laughs> enough. Uh, um, That's good, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, people were just using it, a kind of benchmarking tool for all kinds of digital content. And I should stress that, you know, it's... Um, what AIDA is supposed to be about is, 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 is not even exclusively preservation, not even exclusively digital content, but just, just management of content. And the emphasis ought to be on the organisation 
the main thing it's measuring is your capability to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and this is one of the problems we had in the toolkit name to begin with, Aida, because it didn't really explicitly state that this was the case. It seemed to be saying that you're assessing your digital assets, but you're not assessing your digital assets. You're just assessing your organizational um, capability for being able to do anything with the stuff in the first place. So, um, yeah, I had libraries saying, you know, this is a very useful benchmarking tool, but I also had amazingly people saying this is a very good um, teaching aid for people okay. who want to understand something about how to manage digital content. This is a kind of nice comprehensive overview of all the kind of stuff you need to, to speak about. Yeah. So I was encouraged to find that. Um, and the, we, we had the um, other view as well from, from Toronto. I don't know if you want to go into that one. Yeah, yeah just, just, just mention some of the examples. Yeah, yes. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I know I've seen a few pop up in, yes. the, in the last few weeks. Because so. um, uh, the people in Toronto were saying, yeah, yeah they, they know what Steph was also just said, is that um, there's, there's a lot of measurement tools, and there are. There's a lot of assessment tools available, and Toronto was saying there's probably too many, and mm. um, some of them seem to be a bit uh, flaky or subjective or, um, um, you know, they're not peer-reviewed sufficiently or there isn't enough of a method associated with them. And Toronto's thing was we'd, they would like to, I think they've already done this, in fact, they've analysed all of the tools that are available in this, uh, this area and they've tried to assess and grade them. And I'm afraid AIDA didn't do too well. They said... Uh, <laughs> They said, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we can see that it's instinctive and quick and everything, but it's also, we don't see how you got to this, this form of words or how you got to that particular framework or structure. Oh, okay. So in the grand scheme of things, yeah, if one wanted to have something but plugged into, into the international community of greatness mm. in order to be accepted as a, you know, a, a standard throughout the world, then AIDA would probably fall short. And I think the revision isn't going to address that either. On the other hand, um, do we care? <laughs> I, I yeah. think we, we don't. <laughs> yeah. I would be controversial on that because I think yes. what it does bring yeah. is just a really useful starting point for people um, to identify not only the areas that you maybe weak in but also you might be surprised to find that you're actually quite good in some areas and maybe more ready than you thought in certain areas and it's a very well i keep saying it but it is a very very good starting point exactly exactly i think that's all you can get out of it is a starting point to see you know where you're strong and where you're weak yeah. and that's why we try to get that comprehensive coverage uh you know the organization the technology and the, the staff and I think also yes. um, I've noticed in the revisions that Ed has been making to it that I think a lot of the conversations that we have with people that come on the courses and people that we do consultancy work with are fed into this because uh, one of the things is keeping it simple for talking to people outside of your particular sphere in your own organisation. So if you're going to try and engage senior management, you need to go with a good, clear message that yeah. we maybe need a specialist member of staff or some skills in this area, or maybe we need, we've got that, but we need some more technological support in doing what we're doing. And AIDA gives you that, you know, it gives you that nice framework, yeah. again, to start the conversations, I think. So kind of going back to obviously we, we've made some changes and revised it and you know fed some experience and expertise back into it. So what's changed in AOR compared to AIDA? Um, 
Well, first of all, it's, it's, it's emphasised the fact that it's assessing capability, not digital things. Okay. okay. That's changed the, the, the title, the acronym, everything. You know, I hope that's going to be upfront. The first thing you see when you look at the title of the toolkit, you yeah. open page one, is you're clear that you are not looking at your drives, you're not counting the number of JPEGs, you're not looking at your software and your hardware. You are looking at your entire organisational capability for supporting this content. So that was the first thing. Yeah. Um, the second thing was was to take it out of higher education because Aida was targeted at higher education. I think um, I think we got the GISC money on that basis, saying you know, it's going to be useful to the yeah, GISC community, nice. and of course that's fine. Yeah, that's great. You know, so um, the, the type of language we used, the type of assessments we proposed, ended up with something which I assume UK universities could recognise and identify with, and would find it useful to them. But we thought the value we could have now is that, well, everybody's got digital content now, so mm. why not have a toolkit that addresses everybody? Yeah. So we now... Makes sense. Yes, exactly. So we don't even... Uh, I don't think we even call it digital assets anymore. It's it's something called managing digital content or something like that, which is, is vague. But I've tried to explain in the introduction what I mean by that and you know what is in the scope. Mm. And the idea is... Yeah, potentially anybody, large or small, even you at home with your your hard drive full of images, yeah. could perhaps assess something about uh, how ready you are, how ready you are <laughs> yeah. to, to support it. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so that's the thinking, you know. And hopefully, we're going to just we'll uh, address the needs of more people in that way. Okay. So I think those are the two main fundamental changes. Okay. That um, in my mind. I mean, yeah. for for me, it sort of goes back to what we see with the training as well that you get people from other sectors than yeah. HE, museums, archives yeah. because like like I just said they all have digital content and yep. Yep. need to look into it and it could be financial institutions, yeah. government institutions etc. You know it's like yeah. it is literally everyone and anyone. Yes, 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 precisely. We precisely, do. I mean yes. we, we've done a yes. um, we've been doing an analysis recently on on the the sectors that actually people come to the courses from and, and that's right we we get a lot of people from commercial companies from banking from retail from the media um, also from uh, higher education museums mm. um, but but there's a whole range of of people that are supporting digital content in all kinds of, of areas and again obviously we, we address this in the training and we wanted a toolkit that would support the, the different needs they have Okay, that's great. So, in terms of using the toolkit, um, how do you, how would people use it, and what would they get out of it once they've used it? Um, I know there's a nice coloured scorecard. Well, there is a coloured scorecard. Yes, yes. Uh, I what you get at the end of it, the punchline is uh, you, you you get like um, maybe three sheets of A4 with different colours mm. on a grid, telling you how well you're doing or how badly you're doing. Now. I borrowed that from something called the Digital Preservation Capability Maturity Model, developed by Charles Dollar and Laurie Ashley uh, in America. Um, they're part of something called Saving the Digital World, I think, or uh, um, that's their website. Uh, but I like those colours, you know. So I've, I've taken the, those modified traffic light colours. So, so if you see red on your final results, lots of reds, you're doing badly. Mm. If you see light greens and dark greens, you're doing quite well. Okay. So that's that's quite useful, yes, yes. <laughs> um, to to build that grid, you would look at the exemplars that we've given in the uh, toolkit, 
and find out which one is the closest match to yeah. where you think you are now. Yeah. You've got five possible stages of uh, degrees of success that you could analyse yeah. uh, amongst the various elements. I think there's about 30 or 35 in all, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, Further, if you wanted to, you could really grind it quite fine. You could assess your entire organisation, or you could assess one department, or you could assess both, or you could assess many departments. Okay. We didn't take it down to the level of one individual person, but uh, you get the idea. Because the interesting thing is you could find out that a department is doing quite well when uh, the, the whole organisation is failing quite badly in mm -hmm. one area. You know, yeah. And you could get this con contrasting view. Yeah. And find stuff out um, but in terms of how you go about that I like to think um, it could be fairly quick and easy okay. um, I certainly with the people who have used it when we were building the original AIDA toolkits they, they found they could cover one strand very quickly and easily the organizational strand when it came to the IT strand they had to go and ask IT people yeah. understandably and when it came to the resource strand it's possible they said well we wouldn't know this we'd have to ask our finance officers yeah. but uh, even so there's a difference between just asking your IT storage manager a question like do you carry out checksums or don't you mm. <laughs> Uh, there's a difference between doing that and asking them to provide evidence that they do so, you know, yeah. and uh, you know, having to undertake some kind of formal audit. Because yeah. yeah. I have to keep stressing, it's not meant to be an audit. That was going to be my next question. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's not a formal audit, it's just a kind of finger in the wind where yeah. you, know, you, you get these pretty colours at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, and even the coloured the coloured dots method has a tremendous amount of value because it's something senior managers get very quickly. Mm. You know, they can see this uh, visual indicator. Yeah. Well, that, that brings me to my next question then. So, yes. you know, I've downloaded the toolkit, I've, I've yeah. done the quick assessment. So yeah. what could be my, my potential next steps with, oh, with yeah, that? Yeah. And you just mentioned senior management. So yeah. I assume I could go and... You know, say, listen, we're doing really badly and we shouldn't. Yes. So you kind of you make a business case in a, in a broader sense. Yes, you can make a business case. I think you could identify priorities. You know, mm -hmm. What do we need to fix first? How do we get those reds into oranges or into greens? How long are we going to take doing that? How much money are we prepared to spend? Mm -hmm. uh, are, they, are we worried about the reds or not? Um, I think that's what we, the dream was with the original AIDA, and I think that survived, is if it would just help you target... Uh, which are the most burning areas to mm. fix first of yeah. all and that's not new I mean they've been doing that in the preservation assessment survey at the British Library for a long time mm. I don't know if that's still going but again it's one of the things which Kevin and I uh, found out about and we even went to visit the people who ran the preservation assessment survey okay and it was a different way of doing it but the idea was uh, based on 100 objects in your collection you could extrapolate a view of the entire collection Okay, gotcha. yeah, and he filled in a database on, on that basis uh, but the outcome was the same you could identify where the real problems were quickly yeah. you know? so and instead of vaguely saying I'm really worried about preservation or I'm vaguely worried about conservation or archival care you would have 10 or 15 things precisely that needed to be fixed first okay. um, and I think so, certainly yeah, the, yeah. Um, the, the traffic light method um, we've we've had we have taken our own medicine and used that as a um, a way of identifying things for clients that have come to us for consultancy work. Um, Indeed. Uh, 
Indeed, well, we yes. were dealing with a, a large and complicated organisation and being able to present clearly to the non-specialists within that organisation the idea of a red, amber, green <laughs> uh, moving into danger areas, we found that ourselves to be a, a very useful visualisation um, where people can, who are not specialists in an area can easily understand the danger zones yeah. and also the things that they're doing well. So Yeah, yeah it's um, true, yes. In that particular assessment, I did use the, the dollar and actuary model I mentioned before. And I was able to complete it with uh, with them in, in a matter of hours, you know, yeah. which uh, shows you uh, it is possible to do this kind of thing quite quickly and get a very yeah. good result quite quickly. I think the other thing yeah. that I like about it is that there's, there's no limit on the amount of times that you use it. So you may use it once. Um, highlight some areas, go away, do something about those, hopefully, mm. and then you could rerun through it and see how you were doing, oh, highlight what's changed, yeah. see what areas you want to yes. tackle next. Um, so it, it is an ongoing thing, which yeah. I, I think could be really useful. But if specific requirements come out of it, um, you know, we, we do have a consultancy offering. <laughs> we'd, lo we'd love to help people with anything to do with, say, advice about file formats, migration systems, metadata schemas. Mm -hmm. And all these particular things can come out of doing an AOR survey mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we'd be happy to advise on next steps. Yeah, I mean, I think mm -hmm. a big driver for me mm -hmm. with being so excited about it is mm -hmm. that we get, we obviously, we get people on the course and they learn about digital preservation and we try and make the course as relevant to different sectors as we can. But at some point, we've got to let people go home um, <laughs> and when they go home, they've got to grapple with what they do next mm -hmm. within their own organisations. Um, and we try and, you know, it's like preparing warriors for battle. We try and send them out there as well equipped as we can from coming on the courses. But we also think this will be a great starting point for actually the the big next steps they have to take, which is bringing it into their own organisation and identifying their own problems. Yep. Well, I think it uh, to me sounds like a good sort of identifying where you are now and then whatever your digital preservation strategy is and if it's yes. ambitious or realistic you we kind of well this is my starting point yep yeah but how, how do i get yes. there not just preservation I, I like to think it could apply to a digitization project mm. or implementing a cms mm. or records management mm. or um well anything that involves some form of management of digital content i mean even research data management although that's, i think that's one of your questions if it's coming up yes <laughs> about card well it's only we yes. can we can jump yes, around yes. it doesn't matter yeah. yes yes yeah because um this, this was one of the success stories of AIDA is that um, it got recognised by Sarah Jones and Joy Davidson as, as Hattie as being something which potentially could be remoulded into a structure which research data managers would recognise. And uh, that was quite visionary of Joy to do that in 2012, you know, because it's, it's very much a, a very uh, important issue right now yeah. in 2016. A lot of universities are very concerned with managing research data. So she envisaged a turning AIDA into a toolkit that was specific for that particular field uh, and for that particular audience. Because AIDA was, was vague, general, it was just digital assets, yes, are in higher education, but yeah, it could be almost anything. But she said, no, it's got to be research data and it's got to be research data management. And okay. it's got to be targeted specifically at data owners, what are they called, the, the, uh, the PIs, yeah. principal investigators or whatever they're called. And uh, all the people who are involved or stakeholders in the, the management of this precious data. Um, so, yeah, the basic grid and structure of AIDA survived into cardio, but the specific words that were used and the uh, 
the targets of assessment were directly targeted at that audience, those people, and we came up with a form of words and a structure that is, well, it just fits like a glove. It plugs directly into that milieu, that context, that yeah. environment. Um, and I can't take the credit for that because um, I had help from a, a group of 12 reviewers who came in to help me do this, um, including Jen Mitchum, a friend of ours, but lots of people from UK universities, um, digital preservation experts, copyright experts, technical experts, all of whom volunteered. Uh, I think they got a small honorarium mm. uh, from Joy uh, to, to help revise AIDA. And we came up with a real blinder. You know, yeah. It's a fantastic team and a great piece of work. And very, very quickly, it showed you how, I think, the basic structure of assessment can, with you know, very little effort, be turned into something germane into almost any field yeah. and uh, cardio has worked and it's, it's online people have used it universities now use it as a first step to see if their organization has any capacity whatsoever for dealing with with research data okay. so uh, i'd love to hear more success stories from cardio but uh, i'm very proud to have been a part of that one that's great well yeah. we've yeah. we've we've got the awar toolkit coming out soon so hopefully that will be a similar success story yeah. <laughs> and you you will have been involved in that as well <laughs> yeah um so i think we i think we covered everything uh I, I wanted to ask you guys about it um just for the listeners um we're hoping to have the new and revised toolkit out towards the end of the month um so once you're listening to this podcast and the blog post, there will be a little link for you to pre-register your interest. Um, so we, you will be the first to know when it comes out and when it's available to download. And obviously, we would also invite your feedback and any comments you have, yeah. because like Ed said just now, it's kind of a, a collaborative approach and community course, approach. Course, and, yes. uh, although I know you guys are experts, there's also things you don't know. No, we're, we're always very happy to, to get um, feedback and to get new ideas yes. as well. So. Yeah. And, and I think it's sort of, it's also, once you've put it into practice, you might come across things that yeah. wouldn't it be nice if we check this yeah. particular area or actually, you know, something might be superficial yeah. and we don't need it. We will find out. But yeah. um, thank you guys for now. Um, and uh, we'll be back with the next episode soon. Thank you. Thanks. All right, listeners. Bye. <laughs>